This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Target. And guess what? The Cartwheel app is now moving to the main Target app. Yay! Simply download the main Target app from the App Store to continue to access money-saving offers from Cartwheel plus other shopping solutions that make life easier. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And we're so glad to be back. Yes. Today's episode of Spawned is actually for you introverts out there. We know we have a lot of you listening. Or even you extrovert parents with shy kids, because we're going to be talking to the amazing founder of Women Online and The Mission List, and somebody we've loved and admired for years, Maura Aaron's mealy and we're going to be discussing her brand new book about to come out, which is all about how to build a career, family, network, and a life you love, even if you're an introvert. Which we know is a lot of listeners, not me. Liz, are you an introvert? I'm not an introvert. I would say probably not. But I like them. No judgment on introverts. Actually, I think this is going to be interesting for both of us because we have introverts in our life, certainly. Yes. And of course, we'll close out the show with our cool picks of the week. All right. Well, but before we welcome Maura on the show, let's talk about her. Holy crap. This bio is amazing. I'm looking at it right now. I know. I, we've been friends for a while, and now that yes. I'm reading more about her, I'm going to be, like, nervous talking to her. <laughs> nah. Nah. All right. So she founded Women Online and the award-winning social impact agency, The Mission List, having helped boost online strategy for, get this, the Malala Fund, President Obama, the UN Foundation, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. This isn't even six degrees away from awesome. This is like one degree. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've heard of some of those names, in fact. Yes. (laughs) Pretty impressive. And I think what's really surprising is that Maura is not a lean-in kind of person, which is why she's out with this new book about to come out in September called Hiding in the Bathroom. I love that name. An introvert's roadmap to getting out there when you'd rather stay home. And she's the host of the podcast by the same name, Hiding in the Bathroom. So welcome, Mara. Hi. <laughs> Are you in the bathroom right now? <laughs> I am in my home office. I love that you said that this book is the antidote for everyone who is fed up with feeling like they must always lean in, who prefer those moments of hiding in the bathroom to constantly climbing the ladder or working the room. Because even though Chris and I would say we're both extroverts, I would say we are not always lean in people. Really? That surprises me, having watched you both with awe and wonder for many years now because you always seem like you're out there in a million ways, you know, whether it's in your blogging work or in your day jobs or just, you know, being influencers, you seem like you're very out there and especially visible to me. But look, you seem that way to us too and anyone who knows you or reads your resume. Right. And so I think that's what's so cool about this book because I think a lot of people who seem like all the time extroverts on 24-7 aren't always. Is that your understanding? A hundred percent. And that is exactly why I wrote the book. And, you know, you can fake it. I I always joke that there's been many a professional conference that I have not even been at, but I've just been like tweeting with a hashtag from my bed. Who knows the difference, right? I mean, (laughs) the beauty of the digital age is that powerful online networks and having a social media presence really can spare you a lot of miles traveled and networking events that you don't really want to go to. So yeah, I mean, I wanted to write the book because I was really sick of these binary messages. You know, you're either leaning in or you're leaning out. You're either always on or you're just like a wallflower. You know, you can absolutely create the kind of success that's right for you and do just enough. 
I am so ambitious. I am a really ambitious person. Just because I work from home and I like to be by myself and I am not a mega sort of schmoozer and extroverted person doesn't mean that I'm not super ambitious and that when I'm in front of a room or I'm pitching, I'm not on. Like, I'm not shy and quiet. I just need a lot of alone time. And so I've had to learn how to create a level of success and a schedule that supports it. And I wanted to share that with other people. Now, you bring up an important point because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what introverts are. And then, of course, you know, the difference between someone who's an introvert versus someone who has social anxiety or, you know, even someone who's an extrovert but may also want a little personal quiet time. So so how do you know if you are an introvert? Well, I'm going to crib from the amazing book Quiet by Susan Cain, which if you haven't read it, listeners, really, you should. And she has a fabulous website called quietrev.com with lots ah, of yes. information. Yes. And, and it's a really a good point actually to differentiate between introversion and social anxiety. I have both, lucky me. But um, <laughs> a couple of things to think about if you're an introvert is if you do your best work in a quiet environment. And if after you've been out and about in a social or a work setting with a lot of stimulation, a lot of talking, a lot of meeting people you don't know well, you feel sort of drained. Even if you have a great time, you need to go like be in the quiet and hide. If you need breaks, if you're at a large social gathering, like a blogger conference, for example, um, and if you draw your energy and recharge through alone time, not through necessarily going out for more social interaction. I think another thing that introverts have in common is that we have active sort of interior monologues. We have active inner lives and we may ruminate a lot on events and decisions. We may need to think more before we speak. And so really it's about turning into yourself and needing quiet and thinking time to recharge versus, you know, we all love those extroverts in our lives who feel really excited after working a room. If you feel like you need to go hide in the bathroom, you're probably an introvert. Well, you I know what? Like parenting made me an introvert. Is that possible? <laughs> It's exhausting no matter what. <laughs> but it's interesting because actually a lot of those things describe me. I mean, ask Kristen how many times during a blogging conference we've been together and said, let's just skip tonight's activities yep. and go in the room and work. Yep. Like, or just go in the room and chill and watch a movie. I mean, I need breaks all the time. And we certainly know people who just get overwhelmed by a lot of energy and a lot of people in a space. And they're often perceived, especially if they're kind of popular or well-known or successful, as being aloof or being Snooty, unfriendly. Right? Like you're being snotty. Yep. Yeah. And, and I've learned over time that a lot of them are just overwhelmed. And it's interesting. Like maybe I have more introvert in me than I realize. Well, and again, I don't think it's binary, right? And I think it also comes with the seasons in your life. Again, if you're a working mom, nothing is better than the hotel room by yourself. And <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Amen to that, sister. And, you know, it's funny. And, and I had this experience. I just went on a big group trip, actually, with 50 other women for a week to Israel. And it was so overwhelming to me that I really withdrew and I felt like I was back in eighth grade after a while and no one liked me. And I struggled because we have these messages like, you need to go sit with people. If everyone else is going out, you can't go back to your hotel room. Like people will think you're rude. And I really struggled all week with the fact that people weren't going to like me as much. I wasn't going to be in as many Instagram posts. Like I wasn't going to be the popular girl on the trip if I also took the time I needed for myself. I'm 41 years old and I still struggle with that. You know, I think that especially as women, we're so trained to please and be social and be accommodating that sometimes it's really hard to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I 
just I got to go to bed. I got to be by myself. And I'm glad you're talking about that, not just in terms of travel or professional experiences or conferences, but I think that's the mom community as well. There are some moms in my school, you know, they are like out there all the time and running the PTA and joining every committee. And, <laughs> you know, like not everyone can do that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, A, that is so not me. And, and I have to say there's a really fantastic article by a friend of our community, KJ Delantonia from The New York Times, where she writes about her year of really indulging her extreme introversion. And she talks about going to sporting events and sitting in the car and reading while her kids were inside, you know, (laughs) and that the other moms were like, what is wrong with her? And she realized after a point, you know, I may be taking this too far. Maybe sometimes I actually do have to go in like during the hockey game and talk to the other parents. Again, I think it's about finding the right balance. I am really nervous around school. I always feel like none of the other parents like me. I work a lot, so I'm not that present at school, which I feel insecure about too, right? And you get those Mm -hmm. comments. Oh, yeah. But my goal for this year is to actually force myself to go like show up at drop off and chat, even though I'm scared and I want to hide. Because yeah, it's hard. And why do you want to force yourself to do that? Is it is it for your kids? Is it for yourself? Because part of me is just like, eh, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're at the point in your life where, you know, because I'm, look, I'm the same way. None of the parents know me. I hide in my house. And what's interesting is I've always identified as an extrovert, but I feel like with four kids in my house, I'm forced to be an extrovert so often that when I do have downtime or when I'm on a trip or at a conference. Well, you know, I can do two things. I can just try to get my fill of adult time or I can say, ooh, now I have a chance to like go hide and be by myself. So I'm wondering, is it, is it for your kids? Because I mean, for me, that's why I would do it because otherwise if, I don't even know if I would just do it for myself. <laughs> you know what? It's interesting. It's for my kids, but it's also for community. And KJ actually talks about this as well. Data show that when you engage, even if you're an introvert, you're a recluse, we actually didn't finish social anxiety, which I'll come back to in a sec. If you just smile at someone, if you just say hi, not only will you feel better, they'll feel better and you'll actually help create community. So one of the things that I think, and, and again, I don't mean to sound like I'm lecturing because look, Everyone should do what they need. We are all really busy. Oh, hey, this is data nerd stuff. This is data. (laughs) This isn't lecture. Totally. (laughs) You don't need to sit and have a 20-minute conversation. All you need to do is say, hi, how are you? How is your weekend? How are you feeling? Five minutes. It actually helps create community. It helps create goodwill. And you'll feel better, which will probably make you happier and maybe make you a better mom. I think that my challenge is to take little baby steps. You know, coming back to social anxiety. So before I picked up the Skype to talk to you ladies, I was so anxious. I really wanted to cancel. I experience this often because I'm I'm just scared. I, I, I get sort of reclusive. I get in my head. I'm nervous. I won't have anything to say. And I often I'm like, I'm just going to cancel. We'll reschedule. I force myself to do it and I have a good time. But part of social anxiety is really that fear of engaging with other people for unknown reasons, right? It makes no sense. And I think that that moment of just smiling at someone or doing something, picking up the phone, picking up the Skype, again, data show that it's really healing. There's a wonderful social psychologist named Ellen Hendrickson, who I'm a huge fan of. You can look her up. She writes a lot about social anxiety and she has what she calls the 10 second rule. And so this is for all of you like me, before you pick up the phone for a call or even before you push send on an email to someone that you really respect or you're a bit nervous, you can take 10 seconds and do it. 
you know, it's sort of pushing yourself to take that baby step and you will feel better afterwards. You know what? I am so glad that you were willing to talk about this because honestly, I have this too. I have gone through periods of social anxiety where I cancel stuff all the time. You know, I've gotten much better at managing it, but I think even people who are extroverted can experience that. And I think to talk about it is really, really important because I used to think I was alone. Like, I'm like, what's wrong with me that there's this thing I've been looking forward to for so long and suddenly I'm looking for excuses not to go. And I had to really dig into myself and think, what's going on with me? And when I realized it was a degree of social anxiety, it helped me to work through it. So I think just even being able to talk about it and identify it and let other women in particular out there know that they're not alone is really valuable. You're really not alone. You know, I know, Liz, you live in the city, so you don't drive around, but I'm like often late to events because I'm nervous and I'll just drive around. I'll sit in the parking lot. I'll go get gas. And I realize, okay, you're doing this because you're nervous. Like, let's build in healthier coping mechanisms than you being late to every event you're supposed to be at, you know? Yeah. Look, uh, it's convenient. Fortunately, in New York, you can be like, oh, no, the trains were running so late. (laughs) Oh, no, you guys, we got stuck in 42nd Street for like 20 minutes. (laughs) See, I just gave away my best excuse. Darn, you got it out of me. Don't believe her. (laughs) So, you know, I I think one of the things I like about the book and basically your whole premise and your podcast and everything you're doing here is that you're talking about not just like how to overcome it, but to accept it. And I was really drawn to your statement that you said there's not one kind of successful person and that you wrote the book out of a desire to empower people of all ages and levels to take control and build their own versions of success. You know, I would say not just professionally, but just in general and in life. So what inspired you to want to do this for people? You know, we live in an age of achievement porn. It is, I think, both the blessing and the curse, again, of this extreme sort of fishbowl social media driven culture. I challenge anyone to not feel FOMO today (laughs) in this culture. It is impossible. I will be sitting in my home office having a beautiful day. And then on Facebook, I'll get a notification that a friend or a colleague just won an award or, oh my God, you know, something amazing happened to them. And I'm only human. I feel jealousy. I then I'm like, oh, why am I not doing that? Why is my company not been nominated? Why did I not get invited to speak at TED? Blah, 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 whatever it is. Why do my kids, like, why are my kids screaming and not, you know, piano? of virtuosos. It is prevalent. And I think what's really hard to remember, especially if you're an overachiever and you're driven, is that you don't have to be like your colleague whose business, you know, just got a round of funding. You may see them on social media. You may feel FOMO because you're only human, but you also can take a step back and say, you know what? I'm so proud of them. That's awesome but that's not me. I wanted to first put that on paper and really like spell it out. And again, you're so right. It's not just about professional achievement. I mean, it's about dinner, right? It's about what kind of lunch you made for your kids. I mean, it is everywhere. Or travel, you know, like with this summer, I'm looking at people's Instagram stories and it's like Hamptons, Hampton party. I'm at another Hampton party. I'm at the beach with my kids. We're at a museum. And I'm thinking they did more in a weekend than like I do in a month with my kids. And then I have to realize like I'm the kind of person that needs more downtime. I'm never going to have like 18 things in a day with my children. Oh my gosh. I've had to get over that too. You know, it's so funny you say that because I had a friend who I love who, who's, you know, she's a working mother. And she said to me, we have been 
winning our weekends this summer. Like, oh, no. Like, every weekend we're like, we're water skiing and we're doing this. And Wait, did like, she really I, say winning our weekends? She did. And I just wanted oh, dear. to die. I know. <laughs> but, but, she, but that's like, she was excited. I was happy for her. But I'm like sitting on my couch on Sunday and saying to my husband, like, what's wrong with us? Like, we're inside, you know? So I think that... Um, and also, does what's the opposite? Does that mean that you're losing your weekends? I was losing, yes. That's, I don't like that. I don't like winning your weekends. That's insane. <laughs> There's no winning in weekends. <laughs> Apparently there is. And in the age of Instagram, and here's the irony, I do it too. Like, my publisher every day is like, why don't you post everything fabulous that's happened to you? You need to share because you need to show people how fabulous you are. The irony, of course, is that to succeed on any level, like I have a book coming out, I now have to cultivate FOMO. And that really pisses me off. I mean, FOMO is the reality of our age. And so I think what's really, really important is to know why you try to live the life that you live. Know why you are working as hard or as not hard as you are. And be in dialogue with yourself, you know, remind yourself that hopefully it's a choice, you know, like I work from home. I don't like to leave my house. It limits me a lot. And I get jealous of other people who have more financial success, who have bigger businesses, da, 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 da. And so I am constantly telling myself and also having my wonderful husband remind me, you made this choice. Are you one of those people? See, here's what works for me often. Sometimes I get invited to a party or an event and I really want to go and I'm like, oh, I'm just so tired or I just want a night home or I just want to see the kids. And my boyfriend will be like, go because you're always happy that you did. Yeah. And I remember that. And whenever I get home, I'm like, I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad you made me go. <laughs> and that, and I have to kind of remember that. Yeah, I call it the dreads. The dreads. I, and you know what? I think certain people are dreaders. Like I have a couple kids that are total dreaders. You know, we'll be going to like some of the coolest things and you know they're going to love it when they get there, but they will talk themselves out of it. Yep. They'll even in a way be mean. Like, why did you send me here? Why did I didn't want to do this? Oh, why wow. would I ever want to do this? I have one of those too. I have one of those too. And then the tears start. Yeah. And then they go and they're like, this was the best thing I ever did. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's just a way for people to work stuff out. I mean, I can get that way too. It's not just kids, you know, it's adults too. But I, I, you know, Liz, I think it's just identifying it. I mean, for me, it's the gym. Doesn't everyone dread the gym though? I don't know if that's (laughs) that's a social anxiety. (laughs) I dread the gym so much that I pay for it and don't go. There is a price to my gym dread (laughs) and it's significant. Yeah, but I think it's common. I think this idea of, you know, talking ourselves out of something good And I do feel as though a workaround is to remember that feeling or whatever it is. Is is it the smell of somewhere that smells great and so you can bring that to your mind? It's a sensory reminder of how fantastic it's going to be so that you can work yourself through whatever that anxiety or whatever it is that's holding you back. Uh, Kristen, I'm stealing the dreads from you because I love it. But I also want to say that sometimes that anxiety won't go away just because you're there. And I think that that's important to honor too. There's two little strategies and things that I talk about in the book. Is one alcohol? (laughs) And Xanax. We're not going to talk about that on this family podcast. Oh, please. It is a family podcast. What do you think? Parents are doing a cope. (laughs) I have extreme flying anxiety and travel anxiety. And so one of the things, and, and this is for all the traveling, working parents out there, I have a thing where it doesn't get better. I have the dreads and then I'm taking off. And if I'm not extremely medicated, I'm in full on panic mode. And so two things that I've cultivated to help 
and there's more in the book. One is to actually summon a sense of financial necessity. Mm. I'm not doing this for fun. Like I am not going often to even just to networking parties, frankly. I'm not, you know, flying at 4 a.m. on the shuttle down to Washington because I feel like it or I want to leave. I owe it to my kids. I help support them. And so I think that knowing why you're doing something, I mean, it sounds so simple. That's great. Truly knowing why you're doing it and that you sort of don't have a choice is Mm -hmm. one way to dispel anxiety. And you can also extend that to your kids if they are feeling the dreads, like about going to practice, you know, not like, oh my God, we're going to starve if you don't go to, you know, swim camp. But you're doing this for a larger purpose. Invoke a larger meaning. We Mm -hmm. all need to learn to remember that we are doing something for a larger meaning when we don't want to do something. And then the second is to really over-prepare and to rehearse. So this is a cognitive behavioral therapy trick. Huge fan. So it's like, okay, I know that I'm going to be anxious. I have this business trip. Have I planned everything out? Am I treating myself? Like, am I building in little treats? It could be going to a good restaurant or if you can afford it, staying in a slightly nicer hotel, you know, things that are going to make the trip manageable for you. Do I have a plan to communicate with my kids back home in a way that won't stress me out and won't stress them out? Have I got my schedule? Things like that, like really thinking through the steps, even going to a party. I'm going to talk to three people. I'm going to spend a half an hour and then I'm going to let myself go and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I'm going to go back to my hotel room and watch Netflix. I think that over rehearsing and again, people who don't have these issues think that it's extremely silly, but I don't care. Like, Planning is really important. It's not silly. It's smart. I think anyone can appreciate planning. Even if you don't have a diagnosable or identifiable social anxiety, the idea of planning things out always is going to make whatever it is that you're looking forward to doing or that's coming ahead much easier. Yeah. Of course, there is the issue of if plans change. (laughs) But I think being prepared, I mean, that works for my anxious kid. That works for me. And I'm sure there are other people that can certainly identify it. And if people think it's silly screw them. Yeah, I agree on all counts. And you know, my trick is, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I picture the end. Not like, oh good, it'll be over. But as much TV as Kristen and I do, you know, like I still get anxious before that stuff. And so I know that if I'm better rehearsed, I'll do better first of all. Mm -hmm. But also as I'm kind of going through, like it's hard when you have to do, you've got three minutes and you've got to talk about six apps. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like it's overwhelming. But when I think about kind of the last line and the saying goodbyes in my head, it's like oh, okay, I'll get to the end and I'll be fine. And there's something about envisioning the end or going to a party and that end moment of like saying goodbye and hugging people and feeling really good and walking out the door. When I kind of think about the end result, that usually puts me in a good place to get started. I love that. I love that too. And then you're motivated. And again, it's tapping into the larger meaning, right? Which is instead of sort of feeling anxious in the moment or dragging your ass out of bed, it's like, this is part of a larger plan. Yeah, really smart. So one of the things I really liked that you were talking about earlier was this idea of just saying hi or sitting down with someone for a minute can open up community and opportunities. And it really made me think about how we talk to our kids. Mm Because my daughter was starting a new summer camp this year and she was a little anxious about making friends. And I was like, just say hi. Just say to the girl waiting for the bus, hey, do you want to sit together? That's a cue that you want to be friends or you want to have a relationship. Are there other ways that this can be applicable to parenting kids who might be shy or more introverted or have social challenges? I think that the 10 second rule is a really great one. And and you just summed it up, you know, 
saying hi takes not even 10 seconds. It takes two seconds. I think just daring yourself to take that quick action outside of your head is really empowering. Like people feel good, you know? The other thing is to remember that as nervous as your daughter might be feeling, other people are feeling that way too. And so one of the tricks that I've been trying to do, and actually the journalist Claire Shipman, who I interview in the book, taught me this one. And I think it's amazing. Like she's a steward. She is a ruminator. And she told me a funny story about her neighbor who she always felt was just the perfect mother, the perfect wife, the perfect worker, just always had her shit together. And Claire would be like, God, she's so amazing and perfect. And And I know we can all relate to that. And then one day they ended up talking and she said that. And the other woman said, oh my God, are you kidding me? You're this Emmy winning journalist and you do da, 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 da. And they were sort of both mutually confessing their admiration for each other, but also their insecurity. And instead it became a way for them to shine on each other and have this very human moment. And so one of the things that I have been doing is just being very open about my insecurity about people in my life that when I feel comfortable, maybe not strangers. Um, And it's always funny how it comes back at you. And I think that part of it is realizing that everyone feels vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Everyone feels anxious. There is not one person on the first day of camp who doesn't feel a little bit nervous. And so I think helping our kids remember that everyone's human and that we're not alone and that it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable and not perfect. And also remembering the 40-year-old women in our lives as well, or 40, whatever, 50, (laughs) whatever. You know, we all work so hard to maintain this veneer of perfection. Again, I blame social media and like, that's just a lie. You know, it's just a lie. Well, then, yeah, you have to look for those people on social media who are honest and not all about perfection. That helps me when I know that somebody who I think is really amazing confesses that they have similar issues. I feel comforted by that. It's so interesting that we can find ourselves in such a vacuum as parents. I think we do. And I was just having this discussion with my 13-year-old. You know, we were talking about what other typical 13-year-olds do, which is they have messy rooms and she's so hard on herself. (laughs) But to explain to her that you're not the only one. And I think we can often get like that as parents. Mm -hmm. You know, we can see our kids get like that. And you would think that, hey, we have the internet, we have ways to connect. So why is it still like that? But then when you go and you look at social media and everything, for the most part is so perfect, or at least, you know, most of the time it's highs and lows. You know, people aren't just saying, oh, I had a decent day today. No one ever says that. Uh -uh. It's either this was the best day ever or, oh my God, this was the worst day. I mean, that's the other thing is like, I think that we need to channel mediocrity sometimes as well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Type B parenting. That's Liz's movement. We we need to do the uh, mediocre day hashtag. Yes. And start sharing mediocre day Instagram. The mediocrest day ever. (laughs) I'm walking down the street with my chipped nail polish. Mediocre day. (laughs) You know, it's funny because I've learned this. I keep going back to travel. I do a lot of business travel. And so I spend a lot of time with road warriors. And I'm, of course, always like stoned on Xanax and having panic attacks. And so people find me. And I've learned that the people who look like the, you know, most typical got it together business people, they might be having anxiety attacks too. So I just draw great perverse strength from that. Like we are all trying to figure it out. I agree with that, sister. Seriously, we are all trying to figure it out. And we should remind ourselves that too. Because sometimes, like you said, you look over and you're like, oh my gosh, that person has it all together. And they're thinking the same thing about you. So listen, I want to know, especially as a parent of an introverted kid, do you have 
you know, a favorite hack or a tip? I know you mentioned the 10 second rule, which we're totally going to use, but anything else that's really applicable for parents, especially for those of us who do have kids that are introverts? I have pep talks and what I call, you know, like phone a friend from Ah, that's perfect. Remember that? Yes, I do remember that show. (laughs) So I tell my kids, and I actually do this myself, and my husband is my pep talker. I say to them, actually, this just happened this morning. I dropped my son off at camp, and he really didn't want to go. And he said, okay, sweetie, here's the deal. All you have to do is have the counselor call me if you really feel like you can't take it anymore. I'm here for you, and I will come get you. And for me, I mean, this is what my husband does for me all the time. I can't tell you how many bathrooms I've called him from. God knows what places. Like, I'm getting on the next plane. I have to come home. I can't do it. I'm, I'm anxious. I just need to be alone. And he says, okay, you know, but try 10 more minutes. you got to have, like, I think as a parent, a way of getting your kid to push themselves. Mm-hmm. Also knowing that it's okay if they really can't do it. And I have little kids, so the stakes aren't that high, I'll be honest. But I always say to them, you can call me, but first you have to go. Again, I feel like that's a mediocre way to get your kid to push themselves, but also know that you will be there for them if they really, you know, are having that bad day. You know what? It's a plan B. That's it's it. It just comes B. down to a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's awesome. So listen, Maura, tell us again the name of the book and where our listeners can find you if we want to learn more. Well, the name of the book is Hiding in the Bathroom, an Introvert's Roadmap to Getting Out There When You'd Rather Stay Home. And it will be published on September 26th, but you can order it anytime. Please do online on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you pre-order books. Um, you can also, of course, wait till the 26th and go to a bookstore. I'd be very grateful. And you can find me at hidinginthebathroom.com. Or at, <laughs> I like that. Sorry. <laughs> so good. That's the best. Or um, at Women in work.org, which is my ancient, oh my God, ancient blog. And I'm on Twitter at Mora A-M, M-O-R-R-A-A-M. And if I'm like bragging and being fabulous online, you'll know it's just a show for my publisher. <laughs> we'll know that you're hiding in your bathroom. And speaking <laughs> of which, you have a podcast too. So listen, right now, listeners, go, you can search while you're listening. It's technology is amazing. You can listen to Spawn and look for another podcast, Find Hiding in the Bathroom. Subscribe right now while you're listening to us. Perfect. Yes. Subscribe on iTunes to Hiding in the Bathroom. I would be very grateful if you did, and I think you'll benefit from it. So, um, Maura, you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? Yep. Excellent. We will be back right after this. So, Liz, how excited are we that Target is this episode's sponsor? Oh, because I don't already spend enough time there. Now I'm going to have to go there even more. I know. (laughs) And they have some big news to share with our listeners. So the Cartwheel app, which I love, you know, it's the app that you've always used for Target to help save tons of money. When you go in the store, you check and see, like, what's new and you add it to your Cartwheel cart. Really cool. But what I like even more now All of that is incorporated into the main app, so you only need one app. Yay! This is so exciting! It really is. I'm very excited about this. I do too. (laughs) Plus, it's like one less app on my phone, and it's easier because I'm already looking at the Target app. I I just like anything that simplifies my life. Yeah, and it's super easy. So there's not a lot of stuff you have to do to make this happen. All you have to do is download the main Target app from the App Store. 
and then you'll get all the money-saving offers that you used to get from Cartwheel right there. And you get really good savings. Like, so much of the time I'm at the checkout, and as I'm pushing everything through the scanner really quickly, I'm, like, frantically searching the app to see what's on sale, and then I end up saving all this money on stuff I was going to buy anyway. Yeah, and so if you're a little worried about the transition, don't be, because actually they have easy step-by-step directions right in the Cartwheel app to help you change over and still make sure you get all those awesome savings on all the things that you buy at Target if you're like us. <laughs> so download the main Target app today. Basically, it's one more reason to go there and say you're just buying one item and come out with a whole cart full of stuff. <laughs> just like me. <laughs> okay, we're back with our Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Mora, we always let our guests go first. We're just polite like that. So you're up. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, introvert. Nothing. <laughs> no pressure. Oh my gosh, how many can I say? You know, look, we have a whole website where we do dozens every week. So we understand <laughs> the challenge of paring down. So pick just one cool thing and hey, maybe we'll have you back another time and you can do more. Oh my God, it's so uncool. But I just, it was the first thing that came to my mind as we've been talking about lunch and camp and I'm thinking about back to school. The amazing Christine Coe and Asha Dornfest introduced me to Easy Lunchboxes. This is so uncool, you guys. I'm sorry. I promise. Wait, I'll hold on. Through. You think Easy Lunchboxes are uncool? That's like super cool. I'm all into Easy. Anything Easy is cool. Okay. <laughs> easy Lunchboxes will change your life if you want to be a truly mediocre parent who manages to feed your kids. I cannot recommend them more. They're all apportioned. They don't have BPA or anything like that. You can order them on Amazon. And I swear to God, they've been a lifesaver for me in the morning. So they are my they are my pick. Easylunchboxes.com. Uh, that's a good one. And you know what? I would not be surprised if it's already on Cool Mom Eats somewhere because Stacey seems to be up on all that stuff. But um, that's great. That's a really good pick. And it's not uncool at all. <laughs> okay. Listen, we had people talk about a crock pot. So you're fine. <laughs> I know. I thought I should do something fashion-y, but oh well. No, no, no. no. All right. So all my... My cool pick are those RX bars. Have you guys seen these? It's rxbars.com. They have really cool packaging. I call them the no BS bars because that's actually on the package. These like protein bars? Yeah, they're protein bars. They have no gluten. They have no added sugar. They list all the ingredients, which is like four things right on the front. Um, packaging, man. It's, it's so cool. So I will say this. At first, I thought they were going to be super delicious because the packaging was so pretty. <laughs> But they were not super delicious to me at first because <laughs> they're like egg whites, dates, nuts. I mean, they just don't have they have no sugar. So they, so they taste like they have no sugar. However, I have been eating much healthier. I have stopped eating added sugar in my life. And I have to Ooh. say, surprise, they're delicious now. <laughs> you get used to them. I'm looking them up. Oh, I've seen these. You've brought these over. Yeah. I'm looking them up. They are nice packaging. You can get them at Target. You can get them all over the place. The thing is that I, like you, Liz, we're the same way. Like, we're always out and about. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, we forgot to eat. It's 2 o'clock. Oh, yeah. So I love having these nearby. I do feel full, which is a good thing. I'm not, like, eating them and then eating a whole other meal right after. So... Moms and parents and dads on the go. These are really great. I can't recommend them more. I will say, though, if you eat a lot of sugar, they're not going to taste good to you at first. So it's not going to taste like a Snickers bar. They're not going to taste good to you at first. So it's not going to taste like a Snickers bar. 
That's me slowly slinking away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's mine. Liz, what about you? Okay, I'm going to go in a totally different direction. So this summer, my daughter, for her uh, summer assignment for school, was to go renew or get a library card from the local library, take a selfie, and check out a book. Mm -hmm. And while we were there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to renew my library card, too, because, embarrassing, I don't think I've had a library card since college. I just have never been a library person in the city. And so one of the cool things, first of all, I'm, I can't believe I'm just discovering this. Libraries are just super high tech and crazy these days. Yes, we're like, they hey, are. We'd like to check out a book. And they're like, just go over and scan it yourself. Why are you bothering us? <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I discovered. So if you are in New York City, there is an app called the Simple e-Library app. I downloaded it right there while I was in the library. You can use it if you're a New York City resident or if you're a New York State resident, you can apply. And it's just like checking out ebooks totally free on your phone. And I've wanted to read 1984 because <laughs> you know why. And so, um, so I went on there, and sure enough, it says that like it's out right now. And so I looked again. I was sneaky, and I looked up George Orwell, and I found there was a book that had 1984 and Animal Farm together, and that was available. So now I've got a free Kindle book for 20 days. I think it's awesome. This is going to be like my new favorite thing. I'm going to read more. And here's another cool thing: if you're not in New York, fear not. We actually did a post recently on Cool Mom Tech about the Hoopla digital app, which lets you check out library books from, I think, 1,200 local libraries around the country. And you can even pay a small fee to get a card for a nearby branch and do the same thing right on your phone. Oh, yay. So me in Pennsylvania. Yeah, or Hoopla for you in Pennsylvania or wherever you are. Love All it. right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our guest, Maura, for joining us today. And of course, huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And hey, we love hearing from you, our listeners. Please leave us a review on iTunes. We've been so grateful to all the fun ones have been coming in lately. And be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode each week. In fact, you can do it right now and be sure to download that episode and that way you can listen to us even when you're offline. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.